Um, I was thinking about uh, what God had placed on my heart, and I'm not sure if all of you know this, but uh, before I was hired here at the church, I used to work at Target as the staffing and development manager, which meant I basically was in charge of finding, hiring, training, developing, and, and getting workers out on the floor. And so that was a nonstop job. We were constantly hiring. I have literally hired hundreds of people in my life, probably fired half as much, but mostly hired hundreds of people in my life. And uh, it was one of those things where it was unrelenting. We never, we were never not hiring. Sure, during holiday seasons, we might be hiring more. We could hire anywhere upwards of 300 people for just the holiday season. But one thing that my manager always told me is, hey, listen, you're never not hiring. You have to constantly be hiring people. And the reason is because we worked retail, there was always a turnover. There was always people that would leave or get fired or whatever the case was. And so we needed to make sure that we had enough staff on the floor in order to not stress the rest of the staff. Because if you're the only person working in a department that should have four or five people, how many know that's going to cause people to quit even faster? That's going to put more stress on that individual. They're going to feel you know, less desired or at least less valued. And you're going to have trouble keeping up with your job and keeping up with the things that the store had to do. And so part of my responsibility was making sure that we had enough staff in every uh, position and in every department to do what we were supposed to do as a store. I say all that because I, I titled this message, Help Wanted. And in the kingdom of God, there are roles that God has brought us on board for. Each and every one of us have a role and a, and, and a responsibility to expanding the kingdom of God. To, like Pastor Evelyn said in her prayer, to go and preach the gospel and make disciples. That was not a responsibility given to the pastor. That was not a responsibility given to just a few. It was a responsibility given to every believer to go into the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. And so that's the Great Commission. That is our job. But sometimes our job is made harder when there's not enough people to help us do the job. And so I want you to look at Matthew chapter 9, just a few verses, verse 35 through 38. And the Bible says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Churches all over right now are struggling with workers because not everybody has returned. Not everybody is ready to come back to church. Some already just haven't come back. Some have gone somewhere else. Some have walked away from the Lord altogether. And regardless of the reason, there's a shortage when it comes to workers. And we're no different as a church. Uh, we need camera people, right? That sounds, doesn't sound like part of the Great Commission. And listen, I love Jeremiah, who's rocking the camera right now. He does a good job of keeping up with me. But Jeremiah is probably works as many hours as I do now at the church. That boy comes on Saturdays, Sundays, Wednesdays. He was at our single mom's ministry. I'm like, Jeremiah is a single mom? Like, Jeremiah is just wherever he's needed because he's a worker and he loves to work for God and he's passionate about serving in whatever capacity. But how many know we need to give Jeremiah a break? Somebody else should be managing. I have nobody on that camera because we don't have enough camera people. 
And so we're grateful for Kirby and Jonathan and the work they do in the media department. We're thankful for Pastor Tom, but we don't have enough volunteers in our sound, in our media area. And, and these are some of those things where, again, if, if you look at it from an unspiritual perspective, you're thinking, well, how, how does working the camera preaching the gospel? Or how is, you know, flipping through the slides presenting the gospel? Well, in one, it's, it is literally presenting the gospel. Like, the verses are on the screen. We are being able to broadcast to people. And those of you who think, well, it's not that big a deal, let me just give you one quick story. Um, for Excel, we take all the sermons and we put them on kind of like a podcast on, on Spotify uh, because we find a lot of our students and their friends, they listen to the sermon later on or they'll send it to their friends and they'll listen to it in the shower or on a drive somewhere. And uh, this young lady one time contacted me and was just mentioning how she came across our, our sermons and she said, I literally have listened to hours of it and I was just searching for God and, and I felt like God needed to speak to me and I found your sermons and I just want to tell you how much they blessed me. And, and I was like, wow, that's great. That's amazing. I said, well, where, you know, where do you live? I was trying to see if we can get her connected. And she says, Louisiana. I said, well, that's, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, that's going to be a rough commute from Louisiana to Chicago. And in that moment, I thought about a friend of mine who's a pastor in Louisiana. I said, hey, let me contact a friend. Do you mind if I try to connect you and pass the info along? Well, again, long story short, um, we were able to connect her to a church that she passed by every day on her way to work. And she literally lived a block down from where a friend of mine happens to pastor. We got her connected into a great small group. We got her connected with some wonderful ladies that were going to just continue to mentor her. And she is still plugged in, working away, doing well. Why? Well, because we got media guys who know how to do that. I had no idea how to put my sermon on a podcast. We have people who, who step up. And again, they weren't born knowing. They figure it out. They learn how to do it. I say all that to say that every responsibility in the church is important. Every role that's being played. You know, again, we, we, we downplay what an usher does. First impressions matter. If you walk into a church and you don't get a smile, you don't get a greeting, you get a cold shoulder. So, I mean, you're not going to ever want to go back in there again. Every role in the church matters, but is every role being filled? And not just barely, because again, if it's just the one person doing it week in, week out, that can be exhausting. We need more people. We, we need to be able to, to build this up to the point where, hey, we got to come up with new ministries because we just got too many people. We got to just come up with new stuff because we got to find work for them to do. And listen, those of you who have kids, you know how it works with your kids. When they tell you they got nothing to do, you can find something for them to do. I got plenty for you to do. Yeah, you need something to do? I got something for you to do. If you come to a pastor, you go, Pastor, there's nothing for me to do here. Oh, I got something for you to do. I got a lot of, for you. there's not been one teenager who's ever come up to you and says, Pastor, there's nothing for me to do here. Well, I haven't immediately found something to do. Why do you think Jeremiah's on the camera, okay? And so we, we say all this because this is God's heart. And so I just want to break down a few things from this passage that I think are going to help us understand what it means to work for the kingdom of God. And the first thing is this, that we are moved by compassion when it comes to service. We don't serve for recognition. We don't serve because Pastor Joey or Pastor Carlos or Pastor Evelyn bullied us into serving into a ministry or guilt tripped us into serving into a ministry or, or hounded us, although we're not above any of that. We will do it, Okay. But that shouldn't be your motivation to serve. And I think part of the reason why some don't serve is because they lack motivation. I'm not motivated to do anything. I'm comfortable coming every Sunday, sitting in a service, or not coming at all, watching it online, getting my fix while I'm sitting on the couch, and then going on with the rest of my day. There's no motivation for me to do anything more than that. And here we see Jesus Christ. He had motivation. 
When he was walking through the areas, the Bible was clear. He was motivated by compassion. He looked at the people who were like sheep without a shepherd, and he said, no, no, I'm moved to compassion, and that compassion moves me to action. No, I, I want to be a part of this. Why? Because I'm motivated, because I see that they're hurting, I see that they're struggling, and I want to be part of that solution. You got to be moved by compassion for the lost. And I think as a society, more and more, we've replaced compassion with anger, with disgust, and with offense towards the lost. We're not moved and saddened by what the lost are going through. We're offended by them. I thought about this uh, maybe like a month ago. There was a rapper who uh, came out with a, a shoe that had a drop of blood in it and 666 and pentagons and was painted all red. And it was like this whole demonic shoe. And you know, Christians online went crazy and, you know, trying to cut it out. And he got sued and all this other stuff. And it was quite entertaining on Twitter, to say the least. And I'm just looking at it like, you know, this is an old tactic. I mean, this was in the 70s when, you know, Led Zeppelin would do certain songs, you know, certain records that would be played backwards and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, the industry calls it the satanic panic. And if they want to drum up, you know, uh, just any kind of news and, and just people talking about them, they use this tactic, the satanic panic. Because what do they do? They do, if you do something like this controversial, Christians will talk about you. And the attention that we don't like them getting is actually the attention we bring to it. And so and I, I kept reading people like, you know, just damning him and hating him and saying all these horrible things. And his response was, why would I love you if you've hated me my whole life? And I remember just thinking, yeah, that makes sense. From a worldly perspective, that makes perfect sense. We are called to be moved by compassion. Your reaction shouldn't be anger. Your reaction should be, why does he feel the need to do that? Why does he feel the need to go in that direction? What's going on in this person's heart? And I found for myself, the more I've learned to lean into compassion and not offense, the more I've been able to love like Christ. When I see someone that's doing something, if my initial reaction is shock, awe, anger, quickly I try to shift that to, hey, why? Why do I feel that way? But even more importantly, why are they in the situation that they're in? If I walk by a drug addict who's, who's passed out on the floor, Am I going to walk by and say, man, I'm sure glad I didn't mess up my life like that guy? Or am I going to stop and wonder at what point in his life did it get to this, that it turned to this way? God has called us to be compassionate. And I believe if we are moved by compassion, no one could stop you from serving. If you have compassion for the lost and you understand what we're doing as a body of Christ is not just putting on a show every Sunday and Wednesday, but actually trying to do something to make sure that people have the gospel presented, can be connected to the body of Christ, can be discipled and grown, that that is the function of the church, not just Belmont. But if you understood that, then you would serve. If you had compassion for children, Pastor Evelyn would have to figure out what to do with you because you won't stop calling her. Because you say, listen, I just have this compassion for children because, because I feel like it's easier to raise strong children than to fix broken men. And I just want to be a part of that. And I want to make sure that I can pour into it because you know what? Nobody was like that for me as a kid. Awesome. I started in youth ministry because of the compassion I had for teenagers because the, the, I got serious with God when I was a teenager. And I felt like I had lost a few years worth of my impact because it was about halfway through my high school career. And I remember thinking, I feel like I gotta go and make up for lost time. And I think I've made up more than enough because it's been 12 years now. 
Listen, the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, this is right before the feeding of 5,000. The disciples have just come back from a long missionary journey. They meet with Jesus. And then the Bible says that Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. In the context of this verse, they were very tired. It was a long journey that they had just been on, at least the disciples. But they were moved to compassion, and that compassion moved them to action. To say, yeah, I know it's been long, but look at this group of people. They've come to us, and they're in need, and we have the very thing that they're looking for. They're sheep without a shepherd. Again, I, I think about this often, but uh, more now that I'm a dad, but if you're ever in a store and you see a young child just wandering around crying, most adults would stop and go, hey, are you Okay. Where's your mom? Where's your dad? And if they're still crying, say, I don't know, you get a worker at the store, you bring somebody in, you, you don't just go, horrible parenting. <laughs> somebody just left their kid hanging out on the sidewalk by themselves. You stop. Why? Because you have compassion on that child. At what age do we stop having compassion on people? We need to continue to be moved by compassion because that'll move us to work. The other thing I noticed in that verse is that it wasn't a lack of people. We're in need of workers. We got more than enough people, just don't have enough workers. And there's a difference between people and workers, right? It's just like any sporting game. There's a difference between the player and the fans. Both are in the same stadium, but doing very different things, okay? We have plenty of fans, not enough players, not enough people engaged. And that's just not new to the pandemic. That's been the history of the church for a long time. Statistically speaking, 15% of the church is, is usually the amount of people that do 100% of the work. And, and it's become easy. And, and I've said this to all my youth leaders as I've trained them all throughout life. I go, listen, you don't have to be a youth leader the rest of your life, but you do have to do this. I never want you to be promoted to someone who sits in service because I feel like I failed. I've trained you, I've developed you, I've discipled you to work, to do for the kingdom of God. And so if you're just somebody who shows up for an hour, checks it off your list, and then doesn't do anything else, doesn't bring anybody to church at least, doesn't win anybody, doesn't serve in any capacity. And again, I'm not trying to knock you because I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Most of the people in this room, you work. That's great. But I am saying that this is something that we need to continue to pray for. Not that, you know, again, in our eyes, I think we would feel like, hey, we're a successful church if we fill every seat in the room. No, we're a successful church if the seats are filled with workers. That's, that's way different. Because listen, we could put a concert on and fill the room. You could train a monkey to do some pretty cool stuff and the room will get filled. Filling rooms is not hard. The world does it all the time. Filling heaven, you need workers. And we have to pray for the workers. Listen, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So let me be clear on this. When I say workers, I'm not saying we work in order to gain salvation. We don't work in order to gain God's approval. That's not why we work. Remember, our motivation is compassion, not a pat on the back, not God's you know, love. We don't work for God's love. And this verse is very clear. Your salvation is a merit of grace. And you got it through faith. And it's not of your own doing, not by work, so that no one can brag about it. But then it goes on to say, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what? 
to do good works. So, so you don't justify your salvation or you don't earn your salvation through works, but you are saved to work. You get the difference? Okay. We're not doing this so that, so that God would, would look down and go, okay, you've earned your spot in heaven, Joey. You did a great job, and now I'm going to let you in because you earned it. No, no. He says, listen, you never earned it. I'm giving it to you. And God, because you've given me this unbelievable grace, you've given me this unbelievable love, this unbelievable undeserving gift that is salvation, I will gladly work for you. Why? Because I know I was made to do it. I was created for. Your salvation is not simply for you to go to heaven. And I say this all the time, and, and sorry if it's crude, but if salvation was about going to heaven, you should have died right after you said yes. You would have avoided a lot of other drama because you could have just gone straight up there. No issues. No, hey, I'm clean as a whistle. Like I just got saved. But that was never the purpose. That's not the sole purpose, I should say, of your salvation because the Bible is clear here in Ephesians. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So a lot of times we feel like we're signing up for something and like, yeah, I want to do this. And God's like, no, because it's not just about what you want to do. It's about what God has set up for you to do in advance. So listen, when it comes to working for the Lord, if you're not already engaged in something, start with anything. Okay. Anything is better than nothing. Right? It's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. So start with something. But you might find out quickly as you get into it, yeah, this isn't the thing that God had prepared for me to do. You know, again, we always use this example, but you might think you're on the worship team and a couple practices in, Pastor Jason, with love and grace, is going to let you know this really isn't for you. This isn't your wheelhouse. This isn't your skill set. You might think, hey, listen, God's called me and equipped me to work with teenagers. And then you come out and you're like, oh, teenagers are rude and they don't want to listen to me and da, 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 da. Well, maybe this isn't for you. Okay? It, not everyone is meant to do everything, but everyone is meant to do something. And so your job is to find your niche. What has God prepared for you in advance to do? And it may not be the same thing forever. Right? And maybe, hey, you have a season where we need help in the media and you don't have nothing else to do. Go help in the media. But I don't know how to do all that stuff. Well, nobody's born knowing how to do nothing. So they'll teach you. It's, it's not rocket science. You know, by, by the grace of God, Kirby and Jonathan do all the heavy lifting. And most of what you have to do is pay attention. If you can pay attention and hit the right button at the right time, you can grow and develop. And we know it's not perfect, but that's why we're not hiring you. You're volunteers, right? <laughs> if you were really good at it, then we'd hire you like Jonathan and Kirby. But we understand that you get what you pay for, okay? We're not mad at you for that. But this is that idea of saying, listen, God's equipped me for something, to do something. And it can be anything. Again, don't uh, minimize it. Okay, listen, again, I, I have a child and another one on the way. If God's called you to be a nursery worker, I'm trusting you to hold my baby. You guys have never even seen my baby. That's how much I don't trust people. Okay, but the day she comes through those doors... And I hand her to you and I say, I am trusting you with the most important thing in my life. How is that not spiritual? That a mother and a father can come into the room and they can hear the gospel and they can maybe get the first break of the week because some precious person is taking care of their child. Men, can I just make this plug for any man who's watching or if you know a man, we need men in children's ministry. Amen. Big time. Traditionally, children's ministry has been viewed as something that moms go and do until their kid gets older, and then when their kid graduates out of children's ministry, suddenly God's called them away from that. I don't understand how that works, but sometimes it is. But we need men. Why? 
40% of every child born in the United States right now is born without a father. You know how many Christian fathers are lacking in homes? If you could just give one person a biblical example of what a biblical man should look like, even if it's just every Sunday, that makes such a big difference. Such a huge difference. And I know my boys and our teenagers, they love our guys and they look up to our guys and they just want to be like our guys. But I know they would have loved it if they had it when they were six also. I'm saying all this because it genuinely stirs in my heart. There's something that, that has always been a part of me because I've never felt like somebody who could just sit in church. I just, what's the point? I'd rather just go home. It, like, if you're not going to put me in the game, get me off the team, man. I don't want to be there because I came to play. I came to jump in. I came to help. And whatever that is, you want me to throw out trash? I'll throw out trash. That's why, again, I use Jeremiah as an example. That's why I love him. There has not been one time I've asked that boy to do something where he said no to me. And sometimes he don't even know what I'm having him do. Just say, hey, I need you to come out this week. Got you, boss. All right. But that should be all our hearts. When the Lord says, hey, I need you to go here. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Whatever you need. Not, ah, I don't like doing that. And I'm not good at this. And that's what Moses said. <laughs> Right? Oh, I'm not a person with good speech, and I can't do this, I can't do that. And the irony is that God appeased a lot of his stuff, but he shouldn't. He shouldn't have to with any of us. If the Lord calls you to work, get to work. Now, here's the reality of all of that. And this is something that I was talking with Pastor Evelyn about just before service. I can hoop and holler and I can try to either guilt trip or encourage or whatever spectrum on that you want to hear about it. But the reality is that workers need to be prayed in, not talked into it. That's just the reality of it. Because if the Spirit of God is not what's moving you, you might do it because I asked, but you won't do it with the right understanding, the right heart, and the right motives. You'll do it for a season, or you'll do it for me, but then the day I offend you, you run away and you leave because Pastor Joey didn't say hi to me or whatever. You can never be an effective worker if it's not your response to the voice of God calling you to do it. Where you understand, I cannot run because it's not Pastor Carlos, and it's not Pastor Jason, and it's not any leader in this church who's called me to do it. God told me I need to serve in this capacity. And, in, and if I say no, it's not the church I'm saying no to, it is the Lord. That's why if you look at what we just read, Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And don't worry, because God can secure the blessing for many with just a few of you guys. Just keep plowing away. God's going to do it. That's not, that's not what Jesus said. What did he say? Harvest is plentiful, so pray to the God of the harvest for more workers. Can God accomplish it with the few? Sure, absolutely. But that's not God's heart. God's heart is that we would pray for more workers. We are reinforced in prayer. Some of us are struggling. I mean, I love Mark to death, but he is the only male singer outside of Pastor Jason on our team forever. Now, I don't know if some of you, I don't know if like Lewis could secretly, you know, sing like Balicelli or whatever, but I don't know. You never know. Popeye might be in there. But the truth is, I don't, I don't want to wait for people to come back. I want to pray for people to come in. I'm not waiting for nobody to come back. <laughs> I don't know if they ever will. I'm waiting for people to come in, that God would send people to this church to do the work that God has called us to do. So God, bring in new singers. Not that Mark's bad, but hey, listen, he needs a break because we got him doing a million other things in this church. 
God, bring in more people to preach. God, bring in more people to serve. God, bring in more people to help clean up. God, bring in more people to serve our children. God, bring in more youth leaders. Bring them in. Get them off the streets. Bring them from the Bible colleges. Bring them from the the workplace. Bring them in. Because we need to pray for that. Because it's not going to happen accidentally. I'll tell you that. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I don't ever want us to be a church that just sits there frustrated because we don't have enough people. If it bothers you enough to frustrate you, you should be praying. That goes for all of us who lead teams. Again, I mentioned that to Pastor Evelyn, her immediate response is, that's what I've been praying for. I'm like, I hope so, because it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen just because you wish it. It happens because you pray for it. If, you don't, if you're not serving anywhere, ask the God of the harvest. Where do you want me? What do you need me to do, God? Don't just sit there and wait for somebody to come and ask you to do something. Pray to the God of the harvest. What do you need me? Where, where, what am I picking? What part of the field do you want me in? If you are serving, pray for help. Pray for someone to come alongside you to make the work easier. Pray for someone to come alongside you to multiply the work. Pray for someone to come alongside you so that you can be used in other capacities. Pray to the God of the harvest. Because that's the only way we'll reap the harvest is if we get more workers to do what God has called us to do. There's a story, and Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Uh, One of my favorite... um, Missionary heroes was a man by the name of Dr. Livingston. Fascinated by his story. Incredible, incredible man. I recommend you look him up and, and read all about him. He's got some really profound things. One of the really uh, legendary stories of Dr. Livingston, he was a missionary from the UK to England, and this was back in the 1800s, you know, where you could travel only on ships and it would take you months to get to a certain place. And he was deep in, in some unknown regions of Africa, at least unknown to them, but just, you know, deep in some of these parts. And uh, he had just run out of some medication that he really needed. And he had got this medication from Europe. And at the time, no one knew where he was at. No one knew he ran out of medicine. He couldn't send a letter. He couldn't send notification. And if he went too long without this medication, he wouldn't be able to survive. So what does he do? He prays. And he just begins to pray. And shortly after that prayer time, Somebody runs into him. And if you've ever heard this saying, Dr. Livingston, I presume, this is where that comes from. This reporter who was sent by the queen to go and check up on Dr. Livingston months before finds him in the jungles. And he says, Dr. Livingston, I got two things to tell you right now. Number one, I'm an atheist. I'm here just to report on your progress and what you're doing. But don't try to convert me. Don't try to talk to me about all that Jesus stuff. I'm here on a job. And number two, here's some medication they sent for you. (laughs) You know, God can use workers who aren't even saved yet. And sometimes that's how they end up getting saved. Because they come and they volunteer and they help out because they believe in what the church is doing. Why do you think we've opened the doors to stuff like vaccinations and food outreach? Because one, we have compassion on the people. But two, we need to let the people see our compassion as well. And when they see that, they'll be moved by that. And they, just be, they might only be moved to help. 
But that reporter, within two weeks, became one of his disciples and stayed and served with him. Because you can't help what God calls you to. Listen, I want to see not just our church, but I want to see the kingdom of God filled. I want the lost to be saved because that is the heart of my father. And if that's his heart, then that's my heart. But there's only one way we're going to do that. We need to pray for workers. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And even those of you who are watching online, I'd love for you to join us in this prayer. And there's two different types of people that I'm speaking to right now. It's the workers and the ones who aren't yet working right now. And listen, just as a caveat, don't tell me, well, I used to work. Because there's a lot of people that I've graduated. I've, I've, I served God for 20 years. Uh-huh. So what? Why'd you stop? Are you dead? Because I would understand if you're dead, that's why you stopped serving. <laughs> but if there's air in your lungs, there's purpose in your life. It might be different than what you did 20 years ago. Maybe you're just discipling somebody. Maybe you're counseling somebody. Maybe you're, you're giving wisdom to someone who's doing what you used to do. I don't know what that is. I'm not going to sit here and come up with everything. But there's the workers and there's the people who aren't working. For the people who aren't working, I want to ask you, would you just indulge me? Pray to the God of the harvest and ask him, Lord, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? If God genuinely says, hey, I don't want you to do anything but sit down every week, who am I to tell you what God says? But I really doubt that God will tell you never to do nothing. So pray to the God of the harvest. God, where do you need me? What do you want? Those of you who are workers, pray for help. Pray for God to bring people in that are gonna help us do everything that God has called us to do. That are, pray for cameramen, pray for children's workers, pray for worship singers, pray for worship players, pray for youth workers, pray for ushers, pray for, for deacons to be raised up and elders to be raised up. Pray for sound people. Help us pray because it's not just gonna be, oh, we really need it. It's no, we wanna pray for it, amen? So let's just take the next few minutes as Pastor Jason just quietly plays in the background. And I'm going to ask you, would you just begin to talk to God? Would you just begin to pray to the God of the harvest? And I'm going to close us out in prayer. And then we're just going to end in worship and trusting God that he's going to do his part as we do our part.